This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. The digital revolution has brought about rapid advances in technology, many changing the way we live. And as we're tied to our smartphones, social media connections, and computerized cars, it's easy to think that we're living in the greatest time of innovation. But a new book by former FCC chair Tom Wheeler explains what we're experiencing is not as life-altering as what occurred centuries ago. He points to the Gutenberg printing press back in the 15th century, for example, and how it allowed for mass printing and distribution of books including practice manuals and the Bible, among other things. In the 19th century, the telegraph transformed communication and the railroad advanced access to transportation. These innovations often left people amazed and bewildered as to how different their world had become. The book by Mr. Wheeler is titled From Gutenberg to Google, The History of Our Future, and it's a pleasure to have Tom Wheeler back on the show with us. Tom, great to catch up with you again. Hello, Dan. It's great to be with you again. Thank you. Great to have you with us. And I want to start with the fact that this is unique linking of, of, of topics. So I guess where did you get the, these connections from now going back in time in the first place? Well, you know, Dan, I've always been uh, a history buff, and my professional career has been built around new network technologies. And one thing just kind of led to another. And then when I became the chairman of the Federal Communications Commission, all of a sudden, I had this um, unique situation where I had been studying the history of networks, and I suddenly found myself in a position to be making history um, and to putting into practice what I felt I had learned. Um, and so uh, when I left office, I pulled it all together in From Gutenberg to Google. I, I saw an interview you had given, and one of the quotes uh, in it uh, uh, draw my attention. And you said, how we connect defines who we are. What does that say about this era specifically, obviously because of all the technology that we have? Well, you know, from the earliest days of mankind, um, the connections that we had defined us. I don't care whether you're talking about animal paths or waterways or some of the early networks um, like uh, like the railroads. But 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 the ability to relate to each other, both personally and economically, is a factor that is dependent upon the networks that connect us. And so how we connect affects what we do, and that obviously is who we are. So how we connect is who we are is, has been kind of a, a message running through everything in From Gutenberg to Google. And when you're talking about that, that reaction that, that people have, whether it be uh, you know, the opportunity to be able to read a variety of different things when the Gutenberg Press came out or uh, some of the things that we've seen now because of the technology, that shock, that, that kind of initial reaction that people have, it, it is pretty much the same from one century to the next. Yeah, it really is amazing, Dan, that they, they, the original um, reaction of people when they hear about things uh, is, is to push back um, and, oh, my God, this is changing what I've been comfortable with. 
you know, my favorite example is that when Samuel F. B. Morris um, went to the Congress to get funding for his first telegraph line, when that bill got to the floor of the House of Representatives, uh, everybody was laughing at it. And the idea that you could send messages by sparks was just too much to believe. And they started amending it with, well, let's do a, let's fund a trial of mesmerism, you know, a kind of hypnosis to see if that can send messages. And it literally was a circus on the floor. And when the House finally voted, they voted 89-4, 83 against, and 70 abstentions because wow. these members of Congress were afraid to go back and explain to their constituents how they were spending their tax dollars on this crazy idea of messages by sparks. So politicians back then were just like today. They were worried about their own uh, back backsides, uh, about what they may put their name to. And it's the same situation of how do you come up to speed with new technology? And I I think, you know, when we watched uh, recently the couple of days of hearings that Mark Zuckerberg had before the Congress, uh, I think, you know, the the only conclusion you could walk away from is that most of the members of Congress were not up to speed on the new technology. And it's a representative body and the people they represent aren't either. We're talking with Tom Wheeler, former FCC chair, who is uh, the author of the book From Gutenberg to Google, The History of Our Future. Uh, Then Let's go back to Gutenberg for a second, because when you think about having that press and and the ability to mass produce books of all kinds, and then obviously the the Bible, uh, that changed culture back in that day, because back in that time a lot of the reading a lot of the book availability was for the elite this was this was truly a transformative uh, event and, and, and process that came to people around the world this is this is why I, I say that uh, that this was the original information revolution I mean if you stop and think about it um, the information had been hoarded away in handwritten manuscripts, locked in uh, monasteries and uh, and other um, uh, inaccessible places, where it could be used and exploited by the powerful and the priestly. Yeah. And and what Gutenberg did was to pick that lock and to allow information suddenly to flow freely. And, uh, you know, for instance, um, Luther was one of the early users of the printing press, um, and that drove the Reformation. Um, The Renaissance um, would probably have remained an isolated experience uh, in northern Italy for a longer period of time had not the inexpensive reproduction of ideas been able to spread. And then the other thing that was probably the most important of all about the printing press was that it created the ability for ideas to challenge ideas. And um, we call that the scientific method uh, today. 
And, and, you know, you think about today and you think about everybody talks about, oh, my golly, there's so much information that is bombarding us. Imagine what it must have been like <laughs> in, uh, after the printing press when all of a sudden people who had been totally devoid of information had all of this information flooding them. And the powers that be rebelled against that. You know, shortly after, after the, uh, the, the, the printing press was, uh, was developed, um, uh, a, a Swiss scholar sat down and said, well, I'm going to catalog all of the books uh, that have been printed thus far. And he ends up warning of the, the harmful magnitude of books um, and uh, and how it will create nothing but chaos. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like what we're experiencing today on the Internet, isn't it? It is, absolutely. Tom Wheeler, former FCC chairman, joining us, author of the book From Gutenberg to Google. You're listening to Knowledge of Wharton here on Sirius XM 132 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. So move it forward a couple of centuries, and you mentioned the telegraph, but at the same time, you also had, or, or soon thereafter, uh, the development of, of the phone, but also the expansion of the railroads as well, which all in this area really, when you think about the United United States, that really changed the development of our country at that period of time. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the, the railroad was the first high-speed network. So stop and think about it for a second. From the beginning of humankind, geography and distance had defined the human experience. How far can muscle power take you in a day right. was a defining force. How far you can carry raw materials, whether it be coal or wheat, was a defining economic force. And all of a sudden, the railroad comes by and destroys distance. It, you know, it was the original death of distance. And it totally reshaped uh, economies. Um, and uh, created the Industrial Revolution by being able to haul raw materials to a central point for mass production and then haul the finished product back out to a connected market. And then immediately on top of the railroad, time-wise, came the telegraph. Yep. And it became the tool by which to manage the railroad as well as manage these far-flung production capabilities and then introduced the first national news media, the first national financial markets. And, and these two together in the middle of the 19th century created the reality that we take for granted today and are now leaving as a result of the uh, of the internet. I think it's I think it's safe to say though that when you talk about all of those elements of, of development, that at some point they were going to occur one way or the other. But even a delay of say five years or ten years, and you think about the the impact that a delay like that would have had on all of those areas and, and, and the business and the development of our of our country and being able to have the expansion that we have. It's a it's a it's a significant point in American history. You might say how we connect defines who we are. 
I've heard that somewhere before. <laughs> somewhere I've heard that in this interview before. Tom Wheeler is our guest. He is the author of the book From Gutenberg to Google, The History of Our Future. You're listening to Sirius XM 132 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Okay, so bring it forward to the days of the Internet. And all of this, I guess we should say, starting with the ARPANET as well. And how, and how this has just totally changed how we live our lives, how we communicate. There are elements that it's kind of taken away at times, but it has built so much more uh, over the last 30 years or so. Absolutely, Dan. And I think what we have to do is, is before we look at what the impact of the Internet is, we have to realize that this did not just happen as some kind of a miraculous uh, uh, creation. Right. You, you, know, you take you take the uh, digital code, TCPIP, the digital code of the Internet, and you peel it back and you go back to the concepts that Gutenberg developed of using the smallest pieces of information, assembling, disassembling, uh, and that's the model that we use uh, for the Internet. You take computers and you trace them back and you get back to the steam locomotive, the steam engine, and, um, and, and coming forward uh, that way. And so what we're living in right now is a period where the, the Darwinian evolution of both... Uh, networks and computing have come together and created our new reality, mm -hmm. which is a probably the most powerful and pervasive platform in the history of the planet. But the point that I make in From Gutenberg to Google is that we shouldn't break our arms, patting ourselves on the back and saying, oh, there's never been change like this before. Right. There has been change like this before in the other great network revolutions. And we're just on the cusp of being able to say that we're equivalent to them because the network has brought us to this point. And now the matter question is, what happens next? What happens with artificial intelligence? What happens with blockchain? What happens yeah. with a network that is intelligent itself? And what happens with the threat of cyber? And that's, it is those kinds of issues that will determine whether or not our period is as transformational as the earlier periods of history. I'm betting it will be, but it's going to be a challenge getting there. Well, and you make a, an interesting distinction uh, in the book when you talk about the, the previous networks that, that obviously had such an impact. You talk about how they carried assets. You're talking right. today about the fact that, that in many cases— the networks today are creating the assets because of how valuable content is in our society. Exactly right. And one of the points that I make in, in From Gutenberg to Google is that data is the new capital asset of the 21st century. And here's the interesting thing to play around with in your mind, Dan. Every other capital asset in history has been limited in amount and limited in usage. So there is a limited amount of oil in the world. There right. is a limited amount of gold in the world. And there are limits to how much the market can, 
can, can handle. For the first time, digital information is an inexhaustible supply, and the usage of it becomes it ends up creating a new digital product, which further expands. And so yeah. we're at a fascinating point where uh, where the di- where the asset of the 21st century is going to behave differently from the assets of any other time in history. Uh, how do you deal with the issue of, of security in terms of of the history of these these network revolutions? And, and obviously, that's a big topic. You alluded to it just a second ago, uh, data security in this day and age. But how was that viewed back in the days of, uh, of Gutenberg or back in the days of the railroads and the telegraphs? Yeah. Well, it's a, that's a it's a great question, and it's always been a huge question. You know, the networks that connect us have always been attack vectors. Yeah. Okay. Um, and um, and so we shouldn't be surprised today that the new digital network um, is also an attack vector. Um, uh, we call it cyber attacks now, yeah. but uh, and and that how we handle those is going to be um, determinative in terms of just how transformational the networks uh, themselves will be. Tom uh, Wheeler, the author of the book, From Gutenberg to Google, The History of Our Future, as you listen to Knowledge of Wharton here on Sirius XM 132 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. So with all of the the, the new technology that we have, and you mentioned AI and, and blockchain and, and, and all of these elements that are coming in, are, are we more adjusted now to these significant changes? You think than the people back in the in the days of the of the old West when when the railroads were there, or the days of Gutenberg? Are we more adapted to to change than maybe those people were? You know, Dan, that's a really good question. Um, the answer is we are probably better um, at dealing with the change, but that the change is coming at us faster than ever before, denying the buffer of time and adaptation that we used to have. Right. And so one of our challenges is how are we going to deal with change that comes at us so rapidly? For instance, <clears throat> the the telegraph, I mean the telephone, it took 125 years before the telephone reached 1 billion people. It took eight years for Facebook to reach a billion people. That yeah. is change coming at us at a speed we haven't experienced before. And it requires us to engage that change, not flee that change. And it requires that we establish new rules as to what is expected of the companies that are using that technology to deliver new capabilities. You know, when, we, when, when the industrial era came along in the middle of the 19th century, we realized that the rules that had worked in agrarian mercantilism thus far had, didn't work anymore. And so 
we had to establish a new set of rules, antitrust rules, consumer protection rules, worker protection rules, things like this. We're now in the next generation where we've moved from the industrial era to the information era, and we need, a again, a new look at the rules because the rules that worked in the industrial age don't necessarily work in the information age. Right. And you also have to have, the, and you alluded to this before, the leaders of our country and other countries be more up to speed on all of these particular technologies because it feels like more and more we we are four or five steps behind. Our leaders are four or five steps behind from where the technology is right now and and the some of the moves that companies like Facebook and and Amazon are making uh, in their business uh, scope and and that will change as the people start expressing themselves and say wait a minute i'm worried about the impact of these new technologies, for instance, on my personal privacy. Sure. There's a, a, there's a Pew Research study that says 91% of Americans feel they've lost control of their personal information. That kind yeah. of a outpouring will begin to, has begun, to make policymakers sit up and take notice and have to deal with and learn about exactly what's going on. What is your expectation then for people to take away from this book? And and obviously there is the the theme of how similar we are today to what we are moving forward. But I would think a lot of this is also forward looking as well as to what we should what we should really start to expect already. That's a great question, Dan. And I think that the answer here is that the, the takeaway from the book is we've been here before. We shouldn't panic. Um, we, we shouldn't obsess with it. And we should learn what our history is because it can inform us. I mean, we know that not engaging but fleeing is folly. Um, we know that there need to be new rules that relate to new realities. Um, we've seen this before, and it's time for us to step up. It's now, it's now our turn in the barrel, right. and um, and let's learn from the lessons of history um, and step up uh, and deal with these changes rather than running away from them. Tom, as always, great to talk with you. It's a fantastic book. Uh, all the best with it, and we'll look forward to the next time we can have you on the show. Look forward to it, too, Dan. Thank you very much. Thank you. Tom Wheeler, former chair of the FCC, uh, author of the book From Gutenberg to Google, The History of Our Future. Uh, It is available in bookstores and online for your purchase right now. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 